Well, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, we're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Matthew. Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews, and he, of course, is the king of kings and lord of lords. We've moved to the section, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, are often called the Sermon on the Mount. He gets on a long hill, and he's teaching. He's, he's already picked the 12 disciples. He's got those guys, and he's teaching them, but at the same time, the crowds are, are listening. And we, we see a, a lot of special things this famous discourse. And let me remind you just of the outline at the first part of the, the Matthew 5, 6, and 7. First part, he talks about believers, and he talks about that's the Beatitudes. Then he talks about how he fulfills the law. And then the rest of this thing, starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, all the way through chapter 7, he talks about how the Pharisees look at the law, wrong view, how the Pharisees practice the law that was wrong, and then what's right. And so as he goes through, he's going to teach. And we saw murder and adultery and divorce and oath, and we're seeing all these things, and he's going to say, you have heard this said, this is what the, the Pharisees would say, the religious leaders, he'd say, but I say to you, and he says, it's more than external, and that's bottom line, and so this morning, as we go going through that, we're going to be seeing those different things, and, and remember this, that religious leaders, they, 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 they was always dealing with the external, they would say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, Jesus' teaching dealt with both the external and the internal, because there's more. It's the, the religious leaders say, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't do this. Jesus said, it's more than that. It's more than just not committing murder. It's more than just not committing adultery. It's more than those sort of things. And so we'll see them. This morning, I, I think it's one of the hardest passages. In fact, to be honest with you, as far as a pastor teaching this, this is the hardest one that I ever, t- you know, I look all over the Bible, and there's some passages that are hard to understand. This one's not so hard to understand. It's just hard to teach because of our culture, because of what's going on, because of our lives. And this is an issue, and it's going to be dealing with divorce. Part, part of it's going to be dealing with, of course, adultery and uh, those kind of things. But, but the divorce is also in here, and that's sort of a big one and because, because of our culture. And so this morning, we're going to really look at the adultery and lust, divorce and remarriage. Those go together. I put them together. I don't want to go into gigantic detail, but I think we need to see what the Bible has to say. So let me start with this by saying, you know, being a pastor is great until you come to these passages, but, but the truth is, being a pastor is great. I, I, you know, I'm there with a lot of big events in people's lives. I'm there when their babies are born, and I get to dedicate them, and there when people get married, and, and even, even funerals, which I, we all say when people die, but you're there, and you're there with these people. Over the years, I got to be at a lot of these events. In fact, I've done right at 300 weddings and over 100 funerals, but weddings are really sort of fun, you know. People are coming together, and they're gonna they're going before God and before their friends, and they're gonna uh, pledge basically their love to, to to be together till they die. And the wedding day is so special, and the bride's beautiful, and the guy's handsome, and the families are there, and it's just a great thing. But one of the things we're finding, especially in our country and our culture, is that there's so many divorces. People get married, and they start off by saying, "Oh, we're so excited, we want to be married, and we're going to live forever together," and then something happens, and how does all this fit together biblically? What does the Bible have to say? And so we're going to look at adultery and lust, because that's the first part. He deals with that, and then he ties that in with divorce and remarriage. And he talks primarily about divorce, but he puts uh, remarriage in there. And these go together in the same way that Jesus dealt with murder and anger. Well, he's going to deal with adultery, lust, and divorce, and how that all fits together. So the passage is a hard one. And... um, 
I guess because I'm a big chicken, if I could, I would have skipped it, but I'm not. I can't, ch- you know, the Word of God is alive and powerful. We have to teach through it. And uh, let me just say this one thing about it. God is a great God, and he loves us beyond what we could imagine. And all of us have fallen short of God's glory. All of us sin. We sin every day. And what do we do is we confess it, and God forgives us, and we go on, and we seek to glorify Christ. So we look at this passage. There's some hard things in there. Jesus is on the long hill talking with his guys. He's dealing. He's already said he fulfilled the law. He's already moved into his teaching. And what we saw is that we've already seen murder and anger. Today we're going to see adultery, lust, and divorce. And in the weeks to come, we're going to look at vows and oaths and revenge and love. He deals with all of those things. He says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Religious leaders said, external is what counts. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Jesus said it's more than that. Last time he said, you know, the, the, you've heard it said, don't murder. I say, don't be angry. Because what anger ultimately does is lead to murder. Well, this morning, he, he's going to talk about adultery to start out with. And he's going to say, outward is adultery, inward is lust. And all of us have, have dealt with these issues in our lives. Look what he says, verse 21. Excuse me. Yeah, verse 21. I'm sorry. Verse... Um, 27, I just looked at it wrong. Uh, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. You've heard that said. And uh, adultery, what is that? And and if you go back, now, by the way, I want you to understand, Jesus is living and existing under the Mosaic Law. He lived his entire life under the Mosaic Law. He's giving them principles, and the Mosaic Law was fairly rigid in certain areas. Now, the religious leaders would look at the law, and they, they looked at it, and they said different things about it, just like some people look at the Bible and say, well, I know it says that, but it didn't really mean that. Well, that's what some of them said. Under the Mosaic Law, in Exodus 20, verse 14, it says, do not commit adultery. What exactly is adultery? Adultery is having sexual relations with somebody you're not married to. Now, usually in adultery, the word means that one of the two people having sexual relations is married to somebody else. There's a, there's a word in, in the New Testament called pornea, which just simply means illicit sex. And the Bible uses that. In Hebrews 13, he says, the, bit, the marriage bed is undefiled, but adultery and fornication, God will judge. Adultery is having sex with somebody, one of the people are married, and uh, fornication is, is two people, whether they're married or not, having sexual relations. The bottom line is this, and let's just say it like it is. The only person you'd ever have sex with is the person you're married to. Now, we live in a culture that says everybody have sex anytime they want to. You don't have to worry about it. Try it out. If you're boyfriend and girlfriend, you can live together and have sex. It doesn't really matter. If you're not boyfriend and girlfriend, you can just, you can just meet somebody and as they say, hook up and do this. It doesn't matter. You can be married and have sex with somebody else. And uh, That's our culture. Our culture is wrong. Our culture is contrary. It destroys marriages. It destroys relationships. So the Pharisees, now, they knew that, but they would say, listen, just don't commit adultery. That's what the law says. But Jesus goes beyond that. He says, you have heard that it was said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. There's an internal part. It's not just external that says, I've never committed adultery. But there's an internal part that says, have you looked at someone to lust? And the idea of lust doesn't mean that you can't look at somebody and you say, oh, that's a pretty girl. She's real pretty. That doesn't, but looking to lust is that idea of looking to want to have sexual relations or to want to do something like that. And so the word lust, lust, literally the word look there means look with a purpose. 
the purpose to lust, the purpose to desire somebody that you're not married to. And so the religious leader said the outward part, don't commit adultery. Jesus said, no, no, it's, it's beyond that. I say everyone who looks at a woman with lust at her has already committed adultery. And the bottom line, James talks about it. James says that sin begins in your mind. In the book of James, it talks about that. It shows that we have to deal with our thoughts. It is so hard in our culture because every commercial, every magazine, every movie, the TV, every, you're watching, and it's all based around sex because that's what pulls people. That's what attracts people. So how do we deal with this? And what does he say to do? He says, listen, I just want you to understand, you know what it says, don't commit adultery, but I'm saying to you, let's go beyond that. It's not just the outward thing, it's even the inward thing. Because if, if you're lusting after someone you're not married to, you're committing adultery in your heart. And then he goes and he, and he says something that's really wild, but he, he says, you must do whatever it takes to keep from lusting. And so he uses what we call a hyperbole, okay? Hyperbole means something that is just way out, way out. And so he says this. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, if you're looking at somebody and it causes you to stumble, just throw your eye out. Tear it out because it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. The word hell there is Gehenna. It means the place of the dead. It has that idea of the place of, of burning up. He's not saying that if you lust, you go to hell. He's saying that, listen, that it's better to, to deal with this instead of, instead of not ever dealing with it. Instead of possibly, if you're not a believer, you might never get to the point where you trust in Jesus. He then throws another out. He says, if your right hand causes you to stumble. Cut it off. Throw it from you. It's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And he's saying, be careful where you go, what you do, what you look at. And let me just throw this out. There are so many people who are so tied up in the lust of the flesh, they never come to Christ. The, the pornography industry, the whole sexual stuff has got so many people tied up. There are people who, who never even think about God or Christ or salvation or anything because they're so tied up into that. And then there are many believers who are so under the power of lust that they can't grow. They can't serve God. They, they get so tied into all of this thing. Jesus is saying, listen, if your eyes are fitting, if your hands are get get whatever it takes, whatever it takes, He's basically saying, do whatever it takes not to lust, not to go on to commit sexual sins. Now, this is really hard. We live in a visual culture. Many men, for us guys, we're visual people. We're visual. And so when Jesus says, don't do this, don't we go, good gracious. And so we're saying, don't, don't do it. Take, be careful. If it means getting out of this, don't go someplace. Don't be around somebody. Do whatever it takes. I remember reading about a, a, about a guy that was working in an office and there was a person in that office he was not married to and he was becoming more and more attracted to her because she was really pretty and then he would do, you know, think things and, and uh, he went to his pastor. His pastor is a friend of mine and said, what do I do? And he said, you gotta, you got to get out of that job. you got to go somewhere else. you either got to get transferred to something else. You cannot put yourself in that situation. You cannot be in a place... As Jesus said, do whatever it takes to get away from that. Now, so when you think about it, adultery is outward. And the religious leader said, just don't commit adultery. It doesn't matter what you look at. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what you do. Just don't commit adultery. Jesus said, it does matter. And you've got to deal with, you've got to deal with the in part, inner part as well as the outer part. Now, from there, he goes to a hard part 
which affects a lot of people in our culture, and not only does it affect people in our culture, it affects people in our church, in our churches. And that's the issue of divorce. And so he goes on to say, and when you think about divorce, it, just like anger ties to murder, lust and adultery ties to divorce. And it's a hard subject because of our culture. And uh, it would be, if we didn't do expository teaching, I probably wouldn't pull this passage out and teach it. But we have to look at it, and what does it say? What does it mean? So, before we get to the passage, I want to do two things. I want to talk about the issue of divorce and remarriage just a little bit. And then we're going to give you some background teaching. It's from Matthew 5, where we are. We're going to also, before we're through this morning, go to Matthew 19 to see what happens. So let, let me talk about divorce and remarriage. There are so many different views that people have. That I've got books in my office, and there are four views on divorce and remarriage. Four views in the book. And each of these guys are so-called scholars, and they all have their view, and each one gives a view, and then the other three guys tell why their view's wrong, that view's wrong. And then, everybody just, and then if you talk to somebody in this town, and they'd say this, and somebody else says this. And let me tell you, there are people who say there's no, you should never, there's no ever a reason for divorce, ever. And if you ever divorce, you never remarry. There are people who teach that. Then there are people who say, oh, listen, I mean, you can divorce. You can divorce for almost any reason because you shouldn't have to be unhappy. You should be able to live anyway. And then you can remarry and marry anybody you want. So it, it goes from you can never divorce and never remarry to you can divorce anytime you want to and remarry anytime you want to. I'm going to bring this up in a little bit, but at the time of Jesus, that view was there. There were two rabbis, one called Hillel and one called Shammai. Hillel said, you can divorce for any reason you want to. Shammai said, there's only one reason for divorce. That was what's going on when Jesus teaches this. So just like our culture says, it doesn't matter. If, if you're married and you don't want to be with the one you're with, you know, just, just, just get out. Or, and there's other people who say, oh, no, you can't ever get out. And if you ever get out, you can never marry somebody else. I mean, and so there is, there's a big swing. Let me tell you what I've done. Every pastor has to make a decision on how they're going to ter- interpret the passages and the Scripture. Because I tell young guys, guys who are going into ministry, I say one of the first things you better deal with is you better understand. Because let's say you become a pastor, this is your first pastorate, all of a sudden somebody comes to you and they want you to marry them. And you go, oh, I've never done a wedding, but this will be exciting. And you find out one of them has been divorced. What's your view on, what's your view? How do you take it? Do you, do you believe that if a person's ever been divorced, they shouldn't marry somebody else? Or do you view anybody can divorce for any time? How do you, what's your view? How do you look at the Bible? And I tell them, you better be ready because they walk in your office and you say, I won't marry you two. And then you marry somebody else that comes in. They're going to come back to you and say, why wouldn't you marry us when you married them? Or why, you know, so I tell pastors on the front end, young guys especially, you better have the view. You better see what you think scripture says and you better deal with that. The second thing is let's talk about the background and teaching what we see in Scripture as far as divorce is concerned. And I want you to understand something. Divorce is never commanded in the Scripture. It's not commanded that if a person does something, you're commanded to divorce them. We're going to see that God allows divorce. He does. Under the Mosaic Law, there was allowance of divorce. Now, let me just say it in kind of a harsh way. Under the Mosaic Law, men could divorce their wives, but wives could not divorce their husbands. That's Mosaic Law. Okay? That's a little bit different. We live in a culture now that says anybody can divorce anybody for anything, anytime, anywhere. In the time Jesus lived, uh, we're going to talk how the view was. 
But divorce is never commanded in the scripture, but people get divorces even under the Mosaic law. God allows divorce. We'll talk about it. Well, what about New Testament then? Because, you know, Jesus is teaching under the Mosaic law, but what about now? What do we see? Well, we see what Paul taught. What happens when there is divorce? Here's what Paul taught. He says to the married, this is in 1 Corinthians, and Paul says, to the married, I give instructions, not, not, not I, but the Lord. This is what the Lord teaches, that the wife should not leave her husband. He's basically saying, wives, don't divorce your husband. Now, you got to remember, this is written to the Corinthians. The Corinthians were the wildest people in the whole part of the world. If you said somebody was Corinthianized, that was sort of like saying you live in Las Vegas and all you do is down at where all those mad stuff's going on. That, so to be a Corinthian was sort of a bad word. And he's writing to the Corinthians, he says, I'm saying to the wife, don't leave your husband. Now, if you do, if you divorce your husband, you must, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And, and he says, and by the way, the husband should not divorce his wife. He's saying you shouldn't divorce. If you do divorce, you have two options. Now, I want you to think, think about this. Think about our culture. Think about believers. If you're married and you decide to divorce, you have two options. Remain single or be reconciled to your spouse. That's from Paul. Now, let me just tell you, there are other aspects, and we're going to see what Jesus teaches because we're going to see what he says about remarriage because he's going to give a little bit more information. But Paul is just basically saying, don't be divorced, and if you get divorced, either remain single or go back to your spouse. So the question I often ask, well, is there anybody that could be married and divorce and marry somebody else? The answer is yes, and we'll talk about it as we go through it. But what does Jesus do? Look, you're in Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 31. And I'm going to have to explain to you what he's talking about. He says, it was said, this is what the law says, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. What in the world are they talking about? What is this certificate of divorce? At that day and time, if a man was married and he wanted to divorce his wife, he couldn't just say, you're divorced. He couldn't just leave her. He had to write a certificate saying, I, before God, divorce this woman. It gave her freedom to go marry somebody else. That's what it was. And so he has to give the certificate of divorce. That's what they had to do. So it had to be a written document. Jesus, look what Jesus is saying. It was said that whoever sends his wife away, let, this is the Mosaic law, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, it's more than that. Whoever divorces his wife except for the reason of unchastity makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, he says they must give the certificate, a written document. There was no command to divorce, but the command was to give the certificate. We're going to see it more in just a minute when we look at another passage. I want to give you the passage in Deuteronomy. Here's what it says. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that he, she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her. We'll explain that in just a second. And he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house. If the man finds some indecency in his wife, he has to write her the divorce papers and send her out. The word indecency means nakedness. It has the idea of sexual sin. So under the Mosaic law, God allowed people to divorce if there was sexual sin 
in the marriage. Now you understand that. That's what he's saying. We already saw that Paul said earlier, if you, somebody, if you divorce, remain single or be reconciled to your spouse. Is there some kind of an exception that you could get a divorce and marry somebody else? The answer is yes, and that if there is shameful behavior or sexual sin. We'll talk about it. We'll see how it fits together. Matthew chapter 5, once again, look what Jesus says again. He says, it was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, everyone who divorces his wife, and here's the reason, except for the reason of unchastity will make her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. He says, if you divorce and remarry somebody else without there being sexual sin, there is adultery there. So Matthew 5.33, divorce except for unchastity makes her commit adultery. Now this is really hard uh, when you think about this in our culture. So here's the bottom line. If divorce, it must be for sexual sin. So let me give you an idea. If you're married, stay married. You're committed to each other before God. I love this person as long as I live. To death do us part, you get married. If you divorce, according to Paul, if you divorce, remain single or be reconciled to your spouse. The only exception we find is found in Matthew 5. We're going to find it later on in Matthew 19. And back to Deuteronomy, the only exception, if there was sexual relations, illicit sexual relations in the marriage bond, then it doesn't say you're supposed to divorce. It says you have the freedom to divorce, but you have to give the papers, and then you go on with your life. So this is really hard. So let me just tell you a few things, and this is what I tell people when I do premarital counseling, and I've done about 300 of them. I say, listen, are you very serious about this? Be very serious when you get married, because what you're actually saying before God is that I want to live with this person for as long as I live, and I'm committing to that person, and love is not a feeling, love is an action, and so I'm committing to that person. So don't go into this thing and say, well, if I don't like the way he treats me, or I don't like the way she treats me, I'll just, you know, we'll divorce and go on and do something else, because it's not the way it is in the Scripture. Scripture is you're committed to each other, and if you do divorce, you remain single or be reconciled to your spouse, or the only exception I see is and this is for believers, is that if there's um, adultery, fornication, sexual sin in the marriage, then, then there's a possibility of divorce and remarriage. Let me throw one other thing out that's found in 1 Corinthians. If, an un, if you're a believer and you're married to an unbeliever, this is what Paul says, and the unbeliever decides to divorce you and leaves you, Paul says you're free to go on with your life. That's not two believers that's a believer and an unbeliever. Now, that happened in Corinth a lot because there, a lot of them trusted Christ. They were already married, and so there was a believing spouse and an unbelieving spouse. We already know you're not supposed to marry someone who's not a believer if you're a believer. So that usually doesn't apply really to us. Wow. If you're married, stay married. If you divorce, get be single or be reconciled. If there's sexual sin in the marriage... You have the right to divorce. There's no command to divorce. You have the right to divorce and remarriage. I want you to see something else. I want to show you how strong Jesus is on this. Turn to Matthew 19. Matthew 19. I hope everybody's flipping over there. Now, while you're turning there, Jesus has just finished teaching 
and some Pharisees come to him to test him. Look at verse 3 of Matthew 19. Some Pharisees came to him testing him and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Remember I told you a while ago that at the time Jesus lived, there was a rabbi by the name of Hillel who taught that what, if your wife did something you didn't like, you could divorce her for any reason. There was another rabbi who was named Shammai, and he said the only grounds for divorce is sexual sin. Now, let me tell you what Hillel actually taught. He said, if you come home and your wife has put too much salt on the food, you may divorce her. He said, if you're walking and you see a woman and she is prettier than your wife, you may divorce her because she's become unclean in your eyes. That's, that's how Hillel interpreted it. That's similar today that people say, listen, if you just can't get along, if y'all don't want to be married, if you just go on and do your own, and no fault divorce, and, and, and that's that view. At Jesus' time, there was the other rabbi who said, now the only grounds that we could ever see for divorce is sexual sin, and that he actually interpreted the Bible that way. Now, Jesus went beyond both of those, because Jesus says, listen, when you're married, you should stay married regardless. Look what happens. Look at Matthew 19, verse 4. They ask him, can a, can a person divorce his wife for any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read from the beginning that God created them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined his wife, and the two become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh, because what God has joined together, let no man separate. Jesus said, Wait a minute, don't you know what the Bible says? He's talking to the Pharisees. He's actually challenging them. Don't you know what the Bible says? That God made them male and female and brought them together and they're supposed to get married and when they get married, what God has joined together, let no man put apart. Why is marriage to be permanent? Because God brings them together and they become one flesh. That's what he says. And then they raised the point. They said to him, well, why did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and put her away? Moses did not command the, 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 the divorce. He commanded, if you were going to divorce, you had to give the certificate, but he never commanded divorce. Jesus said, because the hardness of your heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but it's not been that way from the beginning. And he says, because people are hard-hearted and sinful and won't live together, Moses allowed people, because of the sexual sin, to get out. And then he goes on to say, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another commits adultery because of the hardness of heart. It's not commanded, it's permitted. The exception clause, again, is immorality. Now, let me tell you, this is not easy at all. I'm going to go back to Matthew. You can go back to Matthew 5 as well. Jesus says this. It, you've been told that just if you're going to send your wife away, make sure you have the certificate of divorce. But I say to you, if you divorce for any other reason other than unchastity, nakedness, sinfulness, then you commit adultery. she commits adultery and whoever marries her commits adultery. Divorce and remarriage only because of sexual sin. So, marriage is to be permanent. Divorce and remarriage only because of sexual sin. If divorce other than sexual sin, remain single or be reconciled to your spouse. What happens to us? God loves us. If we sin, listen, there are people that you may be sitting out there today and say, well, you know, if I look at it that way, I might have messed up. Or I probably did mess up. Or maybe I'm not even sure if I messed up. 
God loves us. If we've sinned, confess it. God forgives. Listen, God doesn't tell you that if you married and divorced and married somebody else and it was wrong, he doesn't tell you to divorce them. He doesn't say that. He says, make that marriage bring glory to God. So whatever situation you're in, whatever your past has been, wherever if you've messed up or not messed up, whatever situation you're in marriage-wise, make it bring glory to God for how you live right now. Forget the things that are behind, press on to the things that are ahead. So marriage is to be permanent. God joins us to one flesh. Divorce is wrong because it's a hard heart. Remain single will be reconciled. There's divorce and remarriage only if there's sexual sin. But if there's sin, if you've messed up, confess and glorify God in our marriages. That's what God wants us to do. So each one of you, look at the scripture. Look at Matthew 5. Look at Matthew 19. See how it fits together. And wherever you are in your situation, it may be that you've gotten married and you're saying, we're going to stay together for as long as we live. You may have gotten divorced. You may, you may remain single the rest of your life. You may be reconciled back to your spouse. There may have been sexual sin in your marriage and you got divorced and you've married somebody else. It may be that there wasn't sexual sin in your marriage and you divorced and you've married somebody else. Wherever you are, God takes you and loves you, and wants to use you. You're not second-class citizens. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have to deal with our sin. We confess it and go on, and that's what he wants us to do. So what we've seen is adultery, outward sexual sin, lust, inward sexual sin. We've seen divorces and certificates and sexual stuff and everything else. It all ties together. So let me give you the applications. Let's understand that sexual sin is both outward and inward. It's not just if you said, well, I'm not committed adultery. But if you're lusting, if you're lusting, think about it. Adultery is outward, but lust is inward. And Jesus said, don't do either one of them. The second thing is that when we marry, let's make the commitment to be together for as long as we live. Let's, let's, let's do it. Make that commitment. Divorce is never commanded in the Scripture. It is allowed under certain situations. We've already seen. If, if your spouse were to commit sexual sin, that doesn't mean you divorce them. That means you'll work through it and you'll love them because you made a vow to them and you'll see if y'all can make it work. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you divorce. And if you do, then you, if, you, if you, your spouse committed sexual sin on you and you're divorced, you have the freedom to go on. Third, if we have failed in marriage and divorce, let's confess and let's seek to glorify God. He takes you right where you are today. And go on with this marriage that you have now. If you look at it and you think, gosh, I don't think we did it right, right where you are, say, Lord, we want our marriage to be godly for you. We know you'll take us right where we are. We want our lives to count for you. God is a great God. He is a gracious God who loves us beyond what we could imagine. So may we as believers live contrary to our culture in adultery and lust and divorce and remarriage and all those things. Let's be the light shining in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which we shine as lights in the world.